Welcome to the Empath and the Narcissist Podcast, where you regain your sparkle back after narcissistic abuse. I am your host, Raven Scott, a trauma-informed spiritual mentor, certified meditation teacher, and human design expert. I'm empowering empaths three times a week in recovery and healing from narcissistic abuse, childhood trauma through human design, self-care, mindfulness advice, and expert interviews. This is Season 5, Episode 51, The Narcissist's Impact on Your Self-Love, Healing with Human Design Identity Center. Hey guys, I'm Jamie Beebe. And I'm Jake Deptula. We're the hosts of the true crime podcast, Strictly Stalking, brought to you from Podcast One. Each week, Strictly Stalking gives stalking survivors the platform to share their stories in their own words. Do you know why survivors refer to stalking as murder in slow motion? Have you ever felt like you were being hunted by a stranger? Would you know where to turn if a stalker was living in your house and you didn't know? We're bringing you these stories to raise awareness about stalking and give you the resources to know what to do if you or someone you know is being stalked. So tune in to Strictly Stalking each week as we dive into the largely unknown crime of stalking. Listen on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your favorite true crime podcast. There's a part of you that fears things will go wrong even when they're going right. You get so accustomed to inconsistent results earlier on in your life that you carry the pattern of thoughts that went with it. And it's time to drop that. A big part of loving yourself involves you accepting that you deserve every single thing you've manifested and attracted into your life, including everything you've yet to. These are your birthrights. Nothing has to go wrong anymore. Do you find yourself getting lost in a relationship? You keep getting sucked in, yet the relationship leaves you frustrated and hurt over and over again. This could be because your identity center is open and you're being attracted to the wrong types of people. Or another reason is you are dealing with a manipulative narcissist. Just plain and simple. I wanted to share an answer to a question I received recently. The question was, is healing from narcissistic abuse easier than other relationships? I mean, I would think we all agree, those of us who have experienced narcissistic abuse would say, no, it is not easier because you are dealing with your mind being turned around, upside down, flipped on backwards, all your wires are crossed. Also, there's a chemical situation that's happening in our bodies because they have us fixed in a trauma bond that we are just stuck, right? Like we're almost addicted to their abuse in this weird way. You're like, what? That doesn't sound right. That's kind of what it is. Like you're addicted to the hopes they sold you. You're addicted to the dreams that they promised you. And they promised you those dreams to keep you in that cycle. They know what your deepest desires are. And so they promised you that. And that was their game to keep you hooked into you being their possession. 
And it's a very unfortunate and horribly controlling cycle that no one should experience. Hence why I'm speaking up and I have the podcast. But alas, this is life and we do experience these things. So it is extremely difficult to heal and get over narcissistic abuse. It is not your normal breakup. Then, of course, you have the complexity of dealing with them looking perfect to everyone and hosting a smear campaign about you, talking horrible lies. They're lying, they're covering up their bad behavior, their abuse, and they're ruining your reputation and your name, even with your friends or their family, or maybe even potentially your family. And it's just a horrible thing to experience. So I hear you and I see you if you are experiencing this. I have firsthand experienced it. I've also experienced blackmail and threats and horrible spewing just poisonous words at me as I started to speak my truth and come out about how also in the relationship there was sexual abuse. And we covered that. We covered about walking on eggshells and the anxiety and the aftermath mess that the narcissist creates in a relationship and we also talked specifically on sexual abuse in a committed relationship on the podcast this last sunday episode 50 what to do when the narcissist triggers your panic attacks with our guest sylvia araya so if you have not tuned into that that was such a must listen like so relatable shared with us what she experienced him cheating on her and blatantly not even hiding it and just going through all of these crazy emotional cycles with the narcissist and then she shared with us how you can eliminate your anxiety dampen down your ptsd from the horrible consequences of being in a relationship with a narcissist so if you haven't tuned into that that just aired yesterday and it is 100 percent beneficial if you are feeling like you're getting over a narcissist and it's just not easy because it's not and it's not normal it's not a normal breakup so i wanted to share with you today about human design the identity center or some call it the g center so today in the identity center we're going to talk about where you are prone to toxic interactions and how it affects your self-esteem. So I'm pulling up my book. I am writing, all of you guys, I'm so excited. I'm writing a book called The Empowered Empath Weekly Human Design Experiment Journal. I don't think that's gonna be the finished title, but that's my working title. And I have a whole chapter devoted to the Identity Center. And I've titled it, Love Yourself As You Wish They Loved you. And once you do this, then you will gain your power and your clarity. And you'd be like, oh my gosh, they really don't love me how I deserve. And if I can love myself how I deserve, I don't need them. And that's the goal. The biggest effect on your love life is to love yourself as you wish they loved you. Even if you're not dealing with a narcissist, to be completely honest, this worked for me in my current relationship with a healthy partner. Sometimes you hit a block, you hit a mental breakdown, and you're like, they just don't love me. Well, maybe it's because you're not investing in loving yourself. And one of two things will happen after you invest 
in loving yourself. Number one is you will see the light of day and you will see that this person isn't showing me they love me through their actions because your love for yourself becomes a ripple effect. And then you will either that will happen and the person will be so clear to you that they are toxic. They are not actually loving you, that they're just controlling you and they're all about number one themselves. And then you can decide, hey, I can now leave because I love myself. And number two, what will happen is that that person who's with you will see your love for yourself pouring over and your confidence and they will be attracted to then showing and sharing the love they have for you with you and they will respond to you you'll be brave you'll be able to step up and then speak up and say hey when you do this this really makes me feel this and then they can respond if they're healthy i'm sorry i did not mean to make you feel that and then they take the actionable steps to fix their behavior and you guys work together as a team. There's only two ways that can really go within a relationship when you start loving yourself. Uh, number one is it to totally breaks up and implodes and falls apart, which is great because it should have never been, right? You probably were in an abusive relationship. Or number two, that partner steps up as well and starts to self-care and love you how you are loving yourself. That's just speaking from my personal experience. That's what I found. If you are longing for love, start from within. When you leave and treat yourself as if you wish they would, you will witness those two things happening. One of those, one of those two things happening. In the adverse reaction of this is a person who doesn't love me, they will, here are some signs of what they'll do. They will sulk. They will avoid you. They will ghost you. They will ignore you or criticize and mock you. They just won't change. Like I said before, you, it will be completely apparent that the number one priority is themselves and not teamwork and not loving you. And then you'll be loving yourself enough that then you will walk away because you know you deserve better. And as you grow stronger through radical self-love, you will attract the right lover energetically and you repel the toxic relationship when you exude confidence from self-love radiating from love your partner will either step up or step out so in human design how does this all relate the identity center or some of us call it the g center is the seat of the soul it is where we connect with the universe through a magnetic monopole this is where our mind and our body are bound together to experience this unique soul journey in this earthly body. It's quite amazing. The magnet always attracts and never repels. It holds the subconscious and the conscious together. It gives your being a sense of direction in life. Think of it as a vehicle and a driver. The vehicle is the subconscious design of you. The driver is the G-Center personality. However, as much as the personality or ego, if you will, wishes to control the car and appears to be, the car is in actuality on a magnetic road and all the driver can do is observe and look out the window. When you get frustrated, when you get out of alignment, 
is when you're fighting that magnetic road and your ego is pushing and turning. It's like, turn right, turn right. No, the magnet is pulling you straight, but you're going to keep hitting a block and you won't be able to go forward because you're trying to turn right, whereas the magnet is pulling you forward. This concept of letting your ego step aside from the previous section in this book that I'm reading, the shadow work, right? The shadow work is part of the process in allowing the soul and energy to flow on its path versus resisting and fighting, keeping the vehicle on half of the sidewalk and half of the road. Nurturing a strong, healthy ego that is balanced and open to the flow of energy with the autonomy and choice is the healthiest way to thrive, whether you have an open or defined identity center. Now we're going to get in depth about the two types of centers. If you have an open center, your identity center is white. If you have it defined, your identity center is colored in yellow. We'll start with the open because that's always the place with the most opportunity for growth, wisdom, and also vulnerability and pain. So we'll start there first. With the open center, you're amplifying and feeling how others sense themselves. You are a highly empathic being. You have insight into another person's perspective on life, just by being in their presence. Successful therapists, teachers, and intuitives have open identity centers. Since this is a sense of, since this is a center for direction, a sense of being at the right place at the right time is important. When you are in the right time in the right place, things will just click. It will feel good, it will feel calm, peaceful, and it allows for receiving aligned opportunities. If you're in the wrong place or with the wrong person, you are more vulnerable to peer pressure, missing out on abundant opportunities. You physically feel how they feel about themselves, so all of a sudden you're feeling down on yourself. Your self-esteem is low, because maybe you're around a very toxic person who feels that about themselves and you adopt the personalities of those around you. So it's really important to tune into how you feel in a space around people. And if you feel good, they're good, right? It's good to be there. If it feels off, if it feels frustrating, it feels funky, it feels sad, it feels wrong, then you should not choose to be around those people. You're amplifying all of those negative feelings of self. And if you're not strong in your self-identity and self-worth, you can get lost in the relationship. You can get lost in the feeling that that person's feeling. And then maybe then you try and fix it and you try and keep improving the other person because you're amplifying how they're feeling but it's not your job to fix no matter how much you feel them it's their journey and the trick is knowing you are experiencing the identity of another and appreciate them for who they are 
and stay true to yourself. I would say that's probably the most challenging part, right? Staying true to yourself while experiencing how other people feel. You will know yourself when you spend time alone in mindfulness practices. So following your strategy, knowing what your strategy is, and allowing yourself to tune into your inner authority. It's not a bad thing that you're amplifying how other people feel if you have an open identity center. It's actually a beautiful superpower, but again, it only makes you vulnerable when you're unaware of this and you get sucked into feeling low self-esteem because you're around somebody who has low self-esteem. Because you're like, wait a second, this feels weird, you know, and especially if you're living with them, then of course you're really going to adopt and amplify that all the time where it's like you think back to yourself before you were with them. You're like, I didn't have any issues of feeling bad about myself or low self-esteem. That was, that, that didn't happen before I was with this person. Now, of course, this can happen to a defined. I have a defined identity center and I had real big self-esteem issues because of bullying and hardwired trauma probably past trauma like I know for sure mirror neurons observing my mom who had really low self-esteem so I had like a whole bunch of stuff that I was picking up but I cannot even imagine having an open one and amplifying that feeling so I asked my daughter actually yesterday while I was researching this episode I asked her now of course she's only nine so we're going to take it with a grain of salt but I asked her because she has an open identity when you feel like when you're around this particular friend, how do you feel? Like, do you feel good? Do you feel bad? And she's like, I feel good. I'm fine. And I witnessed that. She feels fine and there's no drama or sadness. There's no weird transition afterwards. And then I asked her about this other friend and she said, yeah, I feel bad. I don't, I don't really like her, <laughs> but she gets mixed in with the other friends who make her feel good. So it's a really interesting observation. Like every time that we pull away from interacting with that other person who she feels bad around, she just like, ugh. She's like, that was like so not fun. You know, like that was, that sucked. You know, I did not enjoy that play date versus when she's just playing with the people she feels good around. So it's not to say that we want to avoid all our conflicts in life because that's how we learn and we grow. But as you become a more mature adult, you can choose who you're around. And that's the beauty of really understanding that you have an open identity center, is you can choose who you can be around. And you don't have to be around somebody that makes you feel horrible or bad or drained. And I would say the same thing to a defined center. It's not like, it's just more amplified with the open center. Now let's dive into the defined center. When you have the yellow colored identity center, the diamond below the throat, you consistently pump out love into the world. Your sense of self is solid. Even if you don't know exactly where and how you are going, you know you can get there no matter what road you take. And again, I stated that I have a defined identity center so I can personally vouch that this resonates with me. It's like, I'm like water. Like, I'm like, if there's a will, there's a way. I will figure it out, even if I shouldn't, and it's not mine to figure out. This is part of my growth process with the Defined Identity Center. Pick and choose which things are for you to figure out, especially with my 
defined head center who is constantly has ideas and inspirations for others. So be mindful in a relationship with an open identity center because you have the consistency to give the relationship direction. This is a thing, right? This is where the toxicity comes into play. And I'll talk a bit more after I get through the defined identity center is when the two interact unconsciously unaware the defined center you just know you just have a really strong sense of self you don't even consider that others may feel how you feel or amplify and again there's still conditionings and vulnerabilities to low self-esteem if you have a defined identity center it's not only open centers have low self-esteem and I would say my daughter, because there, I'm really careful about how I talk about things and how I raise her and certain phrases, I'm really careful not to put her down. And I don't have all this religious guilt stuff I put on her and I'm working on myself and healing myself, being a good example. Open centers also can have a very strong, healthy sense of steam, sense of self-esteem. So it's not like, oh, well, I have a white one. I have low self-esteem. No, you can have a really strong self-esteem. You just have the talent of feeling how others feel when you're around them. Okay, so this is the part where I'm like, oh, I don't want to talk about human design and make people think that, oh, I have a white open identity center. I have a low self-esteem. No, you can have either if you have either center. So in this defined identity center, you can also feel a low self-esteem based on different aspects in your life. But the beauty of it is when you start to heal yourself, both types, and love yourself, your identity grows stronger. You have a consistent way of loving yourself and pouring out love into the world, even if you don't know it. You have a consistent way of a direction in your life or just a feeling of purpose. You don't even know your purpose, but you're like, I have a purpose, right? Like once you start healing yourself, you're like, I don't know what it is, but I'm going to find it. And that's perfectly fine. So it's important to note that if you have a colored in channel connecting your defined identity center to your throat, you can be very vulnerable to criticism because this is your creative expression of yourself which I have. And so you actually have this channel that you can channel love up and your self identity up through your voice. And if someone criticizes that and says, oh, well, you have it wrong and you're not being mindful and aware and using your discernment and also your strong sense of inner authority, you're going to be like, oh my gosh, your ego's going to kick in. You're like, well, you're wrong because you're criticizing me. And it's like, just you get really mad at people when they maybe give you some criticism, good or bad. And if this is a trigger for the narcissist that he sees in you and you start to backpedal and rethink what you just said or you had a really brilliant idea about you wanted, what cr new creative project you wanted to manifest and they shove it down with their criticism and fear and their evil words and, you know, pushing your success down because they need to succeed then you're absolutely going to be a lot more vulnerable uh, to that narcissistic 
verbal abuse to affect your identity directly because it's kind of like this connected channel. So just be aware of that. Be mindful. And some people will have good intentions behind their criticisms and others won't. So that's where you start to filter your discernment. It's like, is this a person I really want to listen to who's criticizing me? Or do I just want to ignore them? Like a narcissist, just ignore them. Or is this someone have the best intentions for me in this moment? Therefore, let me pause and consider and think if I should receive this information or not. But you can be very vulnerable and very sensitive to criticism. You can just receive what you need to receive and let go of what you don't need to let, you know, receive. So let's get into the toxic interactions between the defined and the open identity center. So the open identity center is amplifying the sense of direction in a relationship and feelings of the other. Yeah, I would say the toxic interaction is the unconscious open identity center getting inside the aura of someone who has a defined identity center, may have low self-esteem, maybe just toxic, maybe a narcissist, right? So they have real self-insecurity issues that they're masking. And so if your head's confused, but you're feeling like this real, like, ooh, I feel really, like, insecure about myself. This, I swear, is like the perfect storm for the narcissist to be telling you that you are the narcissist because you're feeling their sense of self as that open identity center. So you're like, yeah, I think I am the narcissist or maybe I am the narcissist. But it, again, with true NPD, they're not taking responsibility. It's all smoke and mirrors and they're putting it off on you and how easy it is to put it off on an open identity center that's not conscious and aware that you amplify other people's feelings of sense of self. Now, I, I would say a great litmus test is to take yourself away, have some alone time, find yourself in a quiet space all on your own, and regain your sense of self back. Ask yourself those clarity questions using your inner authority. Am I the narcissist? And all by yourself, you won't be amplifying feeling like a narcissist because you won't be in that sphere with them. You'll be able to say, uh, no. Like, do I consider their feelings? Yes. Am I, you know, empathetic? Yes. Am I asking how can I improve? Yes. Are you open to going to therapy and wanting to, like, work on yourself? Do you believe in spiritual growth? Do you believe in growth mindset of all the, the you know using your inner authority if all of the answers are yes then you're not the narcissist remember true NPD will deny all of this and not even sit and reflect if they are the narcissist they just are and <laughs> they just project it onto you so finding that quiet time away is really important another thing is that the defined identity center will drive the relationship unconsciously, not even knowing it. Okay, let's like flip the roles, right? Because cisgender relationships, gender-based relationships, cis relationships 
are, you know, like, oh, well, the man should be driving the relationship and the woman should be, I don't know, I don't know why we're going to use this word, but it is still used, submissive and, you know, going along with the flow. What if the roles were reversed? What if the, the male has the open identity center and the female has the defined identity center? Then you're kind of going to be feel lost. Well, you know, because the female in culture, society is going to be looking to the man and the man's like, well, I feel what you feel. What do you want to do, honey? And she's like, I don't know. I'm supposed to be doing what you do, right? So I love that we're breaking through these gender-based concepts because it really doesn't apply. Like, look at your human design charts together as a couple and see, okay, she has the defined. So she's going to, quote, unquote, wear the pants in the relationship. Of course, that's not going to be it. She's not going to dominate the male unless she's a narcissist. But, you know, it's like now you guys can really work as a team and know who needs to take the direction in the identity of the relationship. Yeah, I hope that makes sense. I'm still experimenting with this and having discussions with other people about what if the toxic interactions with open identity and another open identity. I don't know. I'd love to see a chart of a narcissist who has an open identity. I feel like that would be pretty rare, but I guess it could definitely exist. And then a defined identity with a defined identity, you could butt heads, right? You both have a very strong drive to what you desire in life and who you are and so you can butt heads with what the direction of you need to do in the relationship together what the direction of the relationship is so the defined identity center has a real drive a sense of self so if you have two identity centers with real drive then they're going to be competing for whose agenda and whose drive is driving the relationship so there can be real clashes with to identity centers. I mean, all in all, in relationships, it's a matter of being self-aware and conscious and having the ability to listen to feedback and have a growth mindset. That's really the baseline for all of this. It feels like it's always driving the bus, which may be related to my identity center being strong. However, the conditioning you can be conditioned in a white center, open, or a defined center. So the key to healing your identity center is to know yourself and tune into how you feel, knowing you are not too much. And also, you are enough, just as you are, all alone. In a good way. Being alone is a good thing, you guys. I know it feels like torture. Being alone is a good thing. So here's a quote from at source messages just posted today that really resonated with me so much that I've put it in my stories on Instagram. There's a part of you that fears things will go wrong even when they're going right. You get so accustomed to inconsistent results earlier on in your life that you carry the pattern of thoughts that went with it. And it's time to drop that. A big part of loving yourself involves you accepting that you deserve every single thing you've manifested and attracted into your life. 
including everything you've yet to. These are your birthrights. Nothing has to go wrong anymore. And I would say if they do, it's a great opportunity for growth. I am seeing life through the repeated lens as a mother and seeing it being manifested out in my children that the perfectionism. I think we all struggle with not failing no matter what our environment is, right? And being perfect or whatever our status of perfect is. But if something goes wrong, it's not a failure. It's an experiment to get up and try again. So in closing, my affirmations for each identity center, the one for open is how I experience myself is influenced by who I am with. I choose to surround myself with people who feel good. And for the defined, I am who I am and I am light. I celebrate the uniqueness of who I am. Radical self-love is treating yourself like your most treasured friend. I have a question just in closing for all of my open-centered identities. Do you notice you tend to adopt the personalities around you? Something to journal and think about. And for the defined center, do you get defensive of criticism in your creative endeavors? Do you question your lovability? I would challenge you guys to go find a pen and paper and list all the things that you love about yourself and celebrate you. Tune in this Thursday. I'm starting a series all about attracting your soulmate by healing your past patterns and healing from narcissistic abuse. Can't wait to share it with you. How do you know you're on the right path? The healing journey is unique to each person and it takes one baby step at a time. The truth about narcissists, journal ritual, EFT tapping, mirror work, connect with your healed ancestor, Ho'oponopono prayer, dealing with difficult people meditation, gratitude journal, and human design 101. These are just some of the few tools that I have included in the Empath and Narcissist book, A Healing Guide with Spiritual Exercises I am over here on the other side of the deep, dark cavern abyss that you're facing right now, of the unknown. I'm here waving, cheering you on to take your next right step to the other side. And one of those steps is to educate yourself and gain all the healing tools that have helped me cross my own bridge to the other side and have a life full of abundance and love and peace away from the narcissist. You can find my book on Amazon and listen on Audible today. If you want personal help in gaining clarity, your authentic power back, and healing to be rid of the narcissist for good, join our empath community and receive sparkle reminder inspiration every Saturday and strategies to heal from narcissist abuse. Plus, get your free human design chart summary and free 20-minute support call with me. 
As soon as you're in, I'll gift you your human design reading with your type, strategy, and inner authority. So join now and get your reading within 24 hours. I'm so grateful for you listening, finding the show, and sharing it with your friends. It would give a great boost in the heart-centered algorithm to rate and review this podcast if you are enjoying it. Take a screenshot, share it on your socials, share it in a text message to a friend that you know right now needs to be pulled out of the quicksand. And remember, always keep your unique light shining. I just wanna make it last Try to let go of the past I close my eyes, embrace the blast Sleepless nights and headaches stack Restlessness to hell and back What's my purpose, what do I grab? A slippery surface, a heart attack And sometimes you just gotta believe There's something that'll give you relief There's something that'll have what you need What you need we're broken, it's tragic, we're not all elastic, but maybe there's magic, believe.